Hey, in today's episode, we're going to talk about how to stay positive during tough times. You know, a lot of people are going through a lot of tough things right now. And so we're going to talk about how to stay positive, how to stay faith-filled, and how to really focus and keep the enemy at bay. So let's talk about it. Welcome to the God's Best for Your Life podcast with Greg and Sharon Fletcher. So today we're going to talk about how to stay positive during tough times. Sharon and I have had our own separate journey through this quarantine and, and lockdown and whatever, however you want to describe it. But, you know, the, the thing that really comes to mind is that God is faithful in all seasons. Yes, absolutely. And, and we really want to encourage everyone that, you know, you can have God's best during this season. Absolutely. God's not limited to what's going on around us and his ability to take care of you or his ability to bless you. Yeah. You know, something that, um, you know, whenever you go through tough times, it's always uh, a good idea to listen to the elders in your life that maybe have been through something similar or been through other tough times. I mean, obviously the situation we find ourselves in right now is different than anything we've ever experienced. I think everybody could say that. Yeah. I think it, it's technically different, but is it really? I mean, right, exactly. That's kind of the point that, that there's always um, some similarities. You know, you feel trapped, you feel like hopeless, you can feel really negative situations and listening to those people that have been through something similar and have learned some wisdom from God can be really helpful. And I remember when, um, Greg and I were going through another tough time in our early marriage. When we were living down in Dallas, I um, had an, an appointment with uh, one of the associate pastors at our church there, his wife. And so we, we did breakfast or we did something like that together. And, and I just, she gave me, she had like 45 minutes and I just shook that tree for all I was worth and got all the fruit off of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just came loaded, loaded with questions yeah. with her because she had like, I want to say seven kids or something. I mean, they had a lot of, a, a ton of kids and I, we just had the one or two, I think we had two at the time. Anyway, so I was just asking her what, you know, what, what season, what, what does she do during hard seasons? And, and she said, it, um, the Lord stopped her one time when she was reading. Um, and you can see an example of this in uh, Genesis four, three, at some point, if you want to look that up, but there's a phrase in the new, in the King James version that says, and it came to pass. And that was their way of saying a period of time came and went. But the Lord stopped her and said, hey, you know what? These hard situations, they come, but they come to pass. They don't come to stay. You know, and to remember that the season that we're in isn't permanent. This is just, a, it comes to pass. So just let it pass on by. <laughs> I, I remember that, that, that scripture that talks about, you know, that, I think it's it's the it's in the Psalms where it says I walk through the valley of shadow of death. You know, there's an old saying: like, if you're walking through the valley of shadow of death, don't stop. That's right. Don't don't camp. <laughs> yeah. Don't 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 build a house. That's right. Let's not let's not stay there. You know what? And and every single person in this world is going to go through challenging seasons. I mean, this is kind of unique in that everybody's going through this season together. But uh, everybody's going to go through challenging seasons from time to time. And the lessons that we learn and the habits that we develop during this time can help us to be more prepared and more productive and more fruitful as we go through another season that's challenging. You know, so we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, some habits and some just some encouraging words to to share with you about what you could do and and how to focus your mind, because it takes some self-control to 
to, to on purpose do the right things in a hard time like this. So we were talking about, you know, that, I mean, we've, we've heard, we've heard the phrase unprecedented times. We've heard those kinds of things. And, you know, I, I'd like to push back on that a little bit. I don't know if this is really unprecedented. I mean, the, in the, in the, I would say that when I say the modern world, I'm saying, you know, probably since we've been kind of keeping records, Mm -hmm. you know, the last couple hundred years, the the historians have taken really good records over what mankind has been through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's varying amounts of detail, you know, uh, and I think now we're generating way more detail than, than we ever have. There's way more ways of recording what people are going through. And so I want to push back on it that is this really unprecedented times? I mean, I think, I think, I don't really think it is. I think, granted, in our lives, yes, maybe. I've never been through anything like this before. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that means that mankind hasn't been through anything like this before. Well, I've, I think there has been some similarities drawn between the pandemic we're going through right now and the Spanish flu of 1918, I believe. I think that's the most recent. That's the most recent. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it's almost apples to oranges because, like, I want to say, I can't remember the, the top the number off the top of my head, but it was like 50 million people died. Yeah, it was a bunch. I mean, it was much more than... Died. The, Not got right. sick, died. Right. So, I mean, it was, it was, that, that was probably... Not that we're making light of anyone no. who's died... No, not at all. ...from COVID-19 or related but, things, but we have to keep it in perspective of sure. how big a deal this is, you know, compared to other ones. I mean, think about like the Black Plague... Or, you know, where half of Europe yeah. died, you know, yeah, so that kind of thing. Yeah, so this is not unprecedented, is, no. I guess is the point. <laughs> yeah. Granted, it is very dangerous. And, yeah. and, you know, we live in Missouri. And so Missouri's been one of the states that's not really dealt with as much or as, or, or as a harsh of, of, of people getting it and, and dying from it. So I, I'm, I'm sensitive to that, especially the areas out there that have gotten hit really hard, you know, where, where it's, you know, New York City. Oh yeah, you know those areas yeah. where where it's a lot worse. People are yeah. crowded in on each other and they can't escape it. And yeah, that's, that's you know maybe that's they live really in rough. older buildings that don't have as good a ventilation or you know that kind of thing. So we're not making any light of that, but we are trying to keep it in perspective because God's word helps us to focus on what our own internal, our own personal decision making and mindset should be. Yeah, absolutely, and. I mean, and I, and I want to push back also a little bit on the idea of a phrase that I've heard a lot, which was the new normal, like that because of um, because of what we're going through now, that everything's going to change from now on. But I think we've just proven that things have gotten much worse before this, and we go back to normal, to, to the real Yeah, normal. I mean, you, you never hear anybody go, you know, I remember back when the Spanish flu hit, and I'm still holding on to that reality. Yeah, I mean, obviously there are people that have been affected by it, and and um, and and lives that were changed at the at the time. But we don't have to keep living with that sense of fear and dread. And I think that's where, as Christians, we need to push back a little bit on that. You know, um, the devil the devil will continue to bring us bad news and and to to try to oppress and uh, to try to take over our thinking and our imagination. Well, and to make you dread. Yeah. Because then that makes that well, there's a whole list of things that yeah. it does. He wants you to give up. Yeah, he does. He, he doesn't does. want you to resist. He doesn't want you to be hopeful. Yeah, but I, I as you look um, through our history, you know, honestly, what's been unprecedented is is our uh, the years of prosperity and the years of blessing and the lack of wars that we've been having. Yeah. Over ever, ever since, I mean, there were my there were there was 
Vietnam, but that was still Korea. What, yeah, but that was almost. If you think of that, that was almost fifty years ago. Yeah, it was. Was Vietnam, and I know because I'm fifty, and I was born in 1970. <laughs> and I think right. Vietnam was That's over right. I was in born, 72. I was born while the Vietnam War was. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. too. But that was the last major war, other than like the Iraq well, and, War. Well, and, and that wasn't anything near what World War II was. Oh, exactly. You know, where yeah. our grandparents and and, and right. really made huge sacrifices, and you know, we were absolutely attacked and those kinds of things. Right. So honestly, we've had a a a, a record streak of unprecedented peace. Yeah. If you want to talk about unprecedented. And that's just to help you focus a little bit more on being thankful for what we've been walking in, you yeah. know, and um and to, to receive that as a blessing from God because he's been causing peace on the world and and um let's use that peace and the prosperity that we have um been given for the for the right purposes. But uh let's talk a little bit more about what why the devil would try to bring fear and why those forces that we sense in the world right now are trying to discourage us and trying to get us to despair. So um, fear is actually one of the tools that the de- that the enemy uses in our lives. Uh, a tool is defined as uh, something that we use to make work easier, you know, and Fear is based and and used by the enemy to accomplish something in your life. He's trying to use that as a tool. When you think about when you're when you were gonna build, let's say, a table or some chairs or something, we're sitting in our office. So I'm looking around. Everything I see around us is built, but they were there were tools used to build that. Mm-hmm. Just like a microphone is a tool to carry our voice much farther than we could if we just had to talk one on one to people. Yeah. You know. So like, if I was gonna build a table, I would get you know saw and I'd get hammer and nails and and I would use those tools to build what I want but the devil uses tool the tool of fear effectively many times in our lives if we're not careful to start building up some strongholds which means areas where he's entrenched his thinking into your way of thinking so that it warps what you see and it warps how you understand and relate to the world it warps how you understand and relate to God and it warps and 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 distorts how you relate to other people. So that's, that's his, that's his goal. He wants to stop your forward progress. So whenever, and, and I want to camp on that for just a minute, because I think we need to be aware that whenever you start pushing forward into God's purpose for you and God's calling for you, don't be surprised if fear comes knocking at the door. And it's so easy to lose sight of that. I mean, you and I have encountered many, many times where we would get ahead of steam on Something God wanted us to to bring into existence, some some kind of a book or or a teaching or mm-hmm. whatever, and then man, do we get attacked? Yeah, know? yeah, and fear is an effective uh, effective tool. I mean, that's why people use a hammer when they want to drive a nail because it works. Yeah, and so the devil has learned with people with humanity that fear is an effective tool. So he wants to stop us from doing what he wants. I'm reminded of of John 10, 10, where Jesus was describing what the motives were for the enemy. And it says, uh, Jesus was saying that the thief comes only to steal, to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Absolutely. Yeah. So he was really kind of helping us to understand what to expect and what, what the enemy does, because if we don't, then we will miss, we'll kind of miss out, you know, or or we'll, we'll get caught up in our emotions or, or the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I forget think, what, that there's yeah. more going on here and that we've been warned. Yeah. And I think that's important 
to know what his ultimate goals are. His, his goal isn't to use fear. His goal is to stop you. It, just like your goal isn't to hammer something with a hammer. It's to make a table. So he's using fear as a tool to get a goal. Yeah. And Jesus plainly explained what his goals are to, to steal and to kill and to destroy. So another thing that fear comes is to steal our peace yeah. and our joy. You know, and, and it is it is impossible for you to enjoy fully the peace that Jesus gave you while entertaining fear. Yeah. Your 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 heart cannot do both. It's kinda of like a light switch. It's either on or it's off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and when that peace is on, fear has to flee. When that no knowledge and walking in the love of God for you and your and your life is on, that fear has to flee. But so if he can get you to focus on the fear and all the bad things, then he's got he's effectively squelching your peace and stealing your joy. And that's his goal. His goal isn't to make you afraid. That's I mean, because we could go, well, I just deal with fear and I'm, you know, I'm just gonna keep doing what I need to do anyway. No, his goal isn't to make you afraid, it's to stop you. It's to steal peace because that's the currency of heaven. That's the presence of God in your life that God uses to to uh, direct you and to help you and to encourage you. And that joy is infectious. I mean, a joyful Christian is one of the best witnesses for Christ there is. So if the devil can steal that joy from you and steal that uh, peace and purpose, then he's got you licked. Yeah. we You know, those who know us or maybe... Have followed us for a little while. Know that we talk a lot about the peace of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's our revelation that that Sharon and I have walked in for quite a while, and we continue to to explore and try to get uh, as much information and revelation about it as possible. But it being the the very presence of God in your life, yeah. you know, it's so precious and it's it's so powerful and it's so important to the life of a believer. And that, that's, I mean, sometimes we probably sound like a a repetitive, a broken record. <laughs> a yeah. broken record. Yes. Because we're like, well, we got to follow peace. We got to be in God's peace. But it's just so necessary, especially when you're dealing with situations like this. Yeah. Another another thing the devil uses fear to do is to, to, to distract us from what is important. So the devil will come in and start making you afraid to get your mind focused on other things than the things that you're doing right now that God has for you today. An example would be like... Um, you know, let's say um, I'm in fear over a situation or a decision that I have to make and I'm afraid I'm going to make a mistake. or And so I just kind of meditate on that and, and just kind of... Yeah, you're looking for an edge. Yeah, I'm looking for right. an edge to... to Surely okay. there's something yes, I have Yes, if I've I think missed. about it just yeah. a little longer, mm-hmm. I'm going to figure this out. Well, all day when you're worrying, you're missing out on the opportunities you have yeah. to invest in the children that you have. Yeah. Or invest in relationships that God wants to bring to you. That, or, or you miss an opportunity that God wanted to put you in. So, like, if you're staying home and you're you're worrying, or, or just trying to just figure it out, maybe it's low level. Mm-hmm. It's not really fear based worrying, but it's more just trying to figure it out using your own head, self care. Mm-hmm. And then you don't go out. Maybe you were planning to go out, and God wanted to bump you into somebody to encourage them, or, yeah. or to pray for them, or lay hands on them. Yeah. And you don't do it because you were locked up. Yeah, you know, and and what's what's sad is we don't even notice those. We don't even see those. Yeah. You know, so you've been stolen from and didn't even know. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's another thing that the devil tries to use fear in your life. Um and the last one I I written down here was to overwhelm your emotions and push you to react. Yeah. And I and I've seen that happen in my own life and I've seen that happen in other people's lives. Well, it's, it's happening all over the world right now. Oh, it is. Absolutely. I mean, you think about people get 
so fearful of their lives and their livelihood is being taken away and they feel like their their very person is being threatened by some unknown unknown or unknown known or, or, or imagined unknown, or unimagined uh, yeah, yeah. yeah presence in their life and so they um this mm-hmm. the fight or flight you know you're either going to run away or you're going to fight it you know and so he tries to get the devil tries to get us to react to those things rather than to respond to the real enemy, which is him. And, and what Sharon and I really want to try to help bring to light here is you need to have some objectivity. You need to have a moment where you're, you're not really so immersed in your own emotions or your understanding and you, and you really kind of pull back and look at it objectively, you know, and that's what the word of God really does for mm-hmm. us. It really gives us an out of experience objectivity that, that we can use and walk in. Absolutely. You know, um, and, and to, and and sometimes there's a there's a little bit of a confusion, I guess, about whether you're being led by fear or you're being led by the, by wisdom. You know, we, we I think we had a podcast that about that a couple of weeks ago, but um, a really great a really great just quick test is is to realize that the devil will drive you, but God will draw you. Yeah. And the devil pushes you, but God leads. Yeah. So the devil will try to push you to make a quick decision, yeah. an impulsive, rash yeah. decision. Or or you'll feel like you're going to lose if you don't, right? Right. There's always that driving factor, like a whip, yeah. right? He's like a yeah. like you're driving a team of horses. Yeah, yeah. And people and 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 when you're when you're in that mindset, you feel like you have to do something right now, or something bad is going to happen. Yeah. And that's the that's the drivenness about the devil's attacks on our mind, and that's where we need to take a step back and go, no, you know what? Wait a minute. God's plans are for me are for good. And not for evil to give me a future and a hope. I'm led by His peace, you know. And and He gave me His peace, and it is the referee of my heart, you know. And and helps to decide decisions that I need to make. So anytime that you feel pressured, like you have to make a decision right now, and you don't know what to do, take a step back. That's that's that that's a that's going to be a bad decision if that's what you're if the, if you make a decision right now. So you need to take a step back, go spend some time with the Lord. You know what? Any decision that has to be right now should just be no. You know, I don't, I, if, if, if you have to, if I have to do something right now to, to stop this or to keep something bad from happening, just walk away and just spend time with Jesus because you're not in the right frame of, of mind to be able to hear what he wants you to do and to be able to respond instead of react. Now, there are lots of times where you're put in a situation where you have to make a decision. Maybe God's asking you to step out of the boat and do something sure. that, that might feel risky, mm-hmm. but but it isn't so much that you're being, you're being driven to it. It's more along the lines that you're being drawn to yes. do it. And there's peace at the other side of that decision. Yeah. And that's, he's drawing you with his peace. So that, you know, we talk a lot about the validity or invalidity of emotions, you know, because they are not a great source of truth, right? Mm-hmm. But they can give us some insight into where we are. That's a good point. So if we're dealing with fear, we're dealing with anxiety, we're dealing with um, uh, negative emotions, that gives us some insight to where we are as a person, as a believer, and in and, and our status with, the, with, with God, you know, as far as are we in alignment with Mm-hmm. His security, yeah, where he's coming from, because 
the just because you feel those things doesn't mean that you're in sin. Also, just because you're feeling those have you have those strong feelings doesn't mean God's trying to tell you anything either. Meaning, like He's not saying, "Hey, you need to be afraid." You know, fight or flight. No, those kinds of things. He will never tell you to be afraid. Yeah, and so uh, we need to make sure that we understand what we're supposed to do with emotions. It's a good point. And, and instead of you know, instead of it being an all or nothing kind of a thing where we're where we're throwing them, the idea of throwing them away. It, we, we need to understand how to correctly use them. So if we're dealing with fear, that means we need to back up. We need to take we need to do a heart check. We need to get plugged back into the understanding that that God is with us, that He is going to take care of us. Yeah. That that He will provide for us. And that we need to we need to stop and start there. And then we can make good sound decisions that are wisdom as opposed to fear. Yes. You know? And and he can help you prepare beforehand for what you need. He can help you make up the difference. Maybe you didn't prepare. Maybe you didn't listen to what God was telling you to do. And then now he's trying to help you uh, clean it up a oh, little yeah. bit. You know? I mean, that's, that's the amazing thing about God's mercy and grace. He never says, well, you know, I gave you a chance, but now you can have to deal with the consequences of, yeah. of your missed opportunity. Yeah, that, that doesn't go along with the gospel. No. No. The good news is that for God so loved the world that he gave. And then 317, he didn't come to condemn the world. But to save it, and yeah. why would God go through all that trouble to 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 for Jesus to die on a cross and go through everything He went through just so He could still stay up in heaven and judge you for your bad decisions? That's it just, just doesn't make any sense. And honestly, I I believe it really glorifies God when He gets to show off His love and mercy on your life through no uh, through through no effort of your own. You know, I mean. It's just, it's just amazing to me how much God loves us and he wants to bless us and he wants to help you right here, right now where you are. And all he wants from you to do, all he wants for you to do is to listen and to, and to believe him and to reach out to him and uh, just to receive the goodness that he has in his heart for you. talk a little bit about the the point of, of the devil driving or pushing what 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 is again what does that kind of look like or is there something special about that that we should pay attention to I remember Greg that you were studying a book and and I don't remember the name of it maybe I'm sure you'll you'll remind me but it had four quadrants about oh it was the um, seven habits of seven habits people of by effective. Franklin Covey yeah that was, I mean, they had some some really amazing wisdom in there from the Bible. You know, even regardless of, of his belief system, he, he he did find some yeah, amazing he, wisdom. Yeah, he had found some truth. Yeah, 
And one of the things was the four quadrants about every situation that you find yourself in falls under one of those four quadrants. Mm -hmm. And the two that I wanted to talk about was one of them was, or, or the two, I guess, adjectives about it was urgent and important. Yes. And, and the point being that the, what the devil will do is tell you something is urgent. And when God talks to you, he'll tell you about something that's important. But he'll tell you way ahead of time before it's urgent. <laughs> yeah. but, but when you start feeling like it's urgent, I have to make a decision right now, that's when you need to just take a step back and go, you know what, I'm in the wrong quadrant. Yeah. I'm, I'm paying attention. I'm in that wrong place. Yes, I'm, I'm, paying it, I'm being distracted from things that really are important. And that's where you can trust your Heavenly Father. He loves you. He wants you to make amazing decisions. He wants you to be better off through the, these challenges that you're going through, whether it's a pandemic or whether it's a child, uh, wayward child, or whether it's a health issue. He wants you to make better decisions right now so that at the end of the season, you're better off. You know, Greg and I have been talking this week about uh, Isaac, who was Abraham's son. And there was a season where he went through a famine in the land. He and his wife, and, his, and I, I don't remember if he had children yet or not, but they were going through a famine. And it said that he, he felt led to uh, plant, sow, sow his seed during a famine. And as he did that, he got a hundredfold return on what he had done. Now, in the natural, that looked completely crazy. But he had, he, he had enough of a relationship with the Lord where he knew this is important for me to do. And then God was able to, to go through there, go through that situation that made no sense in the natural and bless him supernaturally. You know, and God wants to do that for you too. It says that God is no respecter of persons. That means that he doesn't value one person, one race of people above another. He respects everyone equally. Yeah, I think there's another section where it talks about that now there is no Jew. Yeah, there is nor no Greek. Jew. Yeah. You know, or male, no male, nor female, nor female, nor male. Slave, all those nor, yeah. all those distinctions that we place so much emphasis on in Jesus don't matter anymore. We're all the same. Yes. We're all the same in Christ. We all have the same rights and privileges. And that needs to be the way we think about yes. it. That needs to be that when we look at someone else, we need to look at them as that that they're just as important as anybody else in Jesus. Yeah. Absolutely, because that's how God looks at them. And so God can see the potential. God can see his will for them. So so one way that we need to uh, to go back up to the, the resisting the urgent is, is one way that the devil effectively uses fear in our lives is he kidnaps the creative spirit that God has given to you and uses your imaginations against you. So uh, he will bring images of failure, of sickness, of rebellion, of dysfunction. And the rejection. Of rejection to you to keep you in bondage to his plans for your life. You know, I love that uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, for God knows the plans he has for you, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Well, Mm -hmm. the devil has plans for you too. Yes. And his involves stealing, killing, and destroying. That's all that he has for you. And he will try to kidnap your mind and your imagination to produce those fruit in your life. Those weeds, I guess, is more effective. So he is trying to bring that death and destruction, um, but he has no authority in your life to bring that to you because he doesn't have authority on this earth anymore because Jesus stripped him of all that on the cross. So unless you give up your rights to what belongs to you in Christ, 
He can't do a thing about it. Well, Art, let's stop there for just one second and just let's let's open that. Let's let's unpack that just for a little bit. What do you mean by your rights in Christ? You know, because there might be a lot of people out there who let's say that they consider themselves a Christian. Maybe they've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe maybe they've been in church for many years. Mm-hmm. But this whole idea of rights in Christ. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, when when Jesus um, died on the cross and rose from the dead, he completely obliterated the devil's authority to work in your life. If you look back in in history through the Bible, back in Genesis, God created Adam and Eve. God created the earth, and he created Adam and Eve to be the gods of this world. That's what David called them. You know, he called he gave them authority over over all the animals, over the earth, and told him, told them to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. Well, unfortunately, they didn't make it very long before they, they sinned and fell under the authority of the devil because uh, they did what he wanted rather than what God had wanted them to do. So they basically gave that authority to another ruler. It's like kind of like, like uh, when you have two warring countries— when one of them wins, all the authority of the other king goes to that winning king. And that's kind of basically what happened. So what had to happen was the second Adam or the last Adam, Jesus, had to come and basically live that sinless life that Adam couldn't do, that none of us could do because of sin and because of the fall. So when Jesus did that, he took back that authority and he beat the devil at his own game over and over, and he walked in the authority that God had given him as the son of God and a son of man. And so when he did that, he took that and then gave it to the believers as the church. It says that he is the head of the church, which is his body. So when you say church, you're not talking about a building, right? No, I'm talking about all the people that believe in Christ as their Lord and Savior. The Bible says that God gave us the right to become children of God, and that's what we are. So now we have that authority that Jesus walked in on this earth. Jesus won that authority by by beating the devil at his own game and gave it back to us if we believe in him. Because some people, they get hung up on a building, Mm -hmm. maybe a group of churches or Mm -hmm. whatever. It's not about a building or a group of churches, maybe a a denomination. The, the, The church is everyone who believes, who has received God's sacrifice receive Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, mm-hmm. they become the church, mm-hmm. not part of the church. Mm-hmm. They become the church. Yeah. It says that, that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we are actually the building that, that, that God dwells in now. Mm-hmm. It's not in a building like a synagogue, like it used to be in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God couldn't become that close to people because of the sin barrier. And that's so important for you to understand that about who you are, that you are the church. Because when, when we're, when we're, reading through scripture and we're, and we're meditating on what God wants to do, that he came along and he gave authority. So after the devil, died, after the after Jesus died on the cross, he went down and wrestled the keys of, of this place from the enemy, from the devil, and then he turned around and he gave that authority to the church, not to a pastor, not to a priest, not to a bishop or a pope or anything like that. He gave it to all the people who are following after Christ. You have authority. And that's kind of that little journey we just took right there about understanding the rights and privileges is so important because you have authority in this earth now. 
Absolutely. because of what Jesus did on the cross, mm-hmm. and he's given that authority to the church. And he gave it to the authority of the church so that the church could function and could could be an extension of what Jesus wants to yes. do in the earth. Yes. So that, that in 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 situations like this where we're going through this virus situation or maybe any of the related scenarios that are going along with it with jobs or, 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 or complications from, from, from this scenario that you have authority and you can actually get more involved than just sitting around waiting for the government to finally tell us we can go outside. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we need to realize who our real enemy is and our real enemy isn't the government. Our real enemy isn't people. It's not people that are keeping us from doing what we want to do. Yeah. It's fear. Yes. It's the devil. You know, it, it says in um, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, For though we walk, live in the flesh, we're not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and dis- destruction of strongholds, which is what we were just talking about a while ago, mm-hmm. about changing those imaginations. And as much as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. I really love that scripture. It really kind of helps focus you on who your real enemy in this world is and what your response should be. Uh, Another translation that, that I found uh, it's called God's words translation. I like verse five. It, It translates it. It says in all their intellectual arrogance, that oppose the knowledge of God to take every ca- uh, thought captive so it is obedient to Christ. I just think it really kind of helps focus it that that we can be we can get distracted, the enemy can distract us and we can start leaning on our understanding and then and then get get out of sync with what God wants to do. And then obviously the enemy's always trying to make that happen. So how how would this look? I mean, it, let's say you're 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 being thrown fearful thoughts and fearful imaginations. How do you respond to do to that? What exactly do you do? Well, I mean, one of the things I've found that's very effective is to understand that feelings are real, but they're not always true, right? So I can be upset or fearful and still make decisions. So I have the ability, even though I am afraid, to be brave. Right. So, you know, I've heard that that, you know, without without fear, there is no courage. Right. So, you know, there there there's a time where you have to go, you know, I am afraid and I'm going to do whatever it is I need to do afraid until I'm not afraid. And it usually doesn't take long for fear to just go running away like a little scared animal. You That's know. true. Well, it says submit to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Yeah. As in terror. Right. So <laughs> and so the that's. It, with that understanding, I, after a while, you know, as we get older, we, we we remember, oh yeah, if I just resist, if I just submit myself to God and I resist fear, then he'll he'll run away, and then then I'm free, you know, to really continue to make good decisions. So what does that look like, though? I mean, like let's say a fearful thought comes to you about your job, about during all this situation, or about your health. What exactly do you just say? I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. Well, I mean, again, it, it, I think it's. After a while, granted, you know, I'm I'm a little older. I, I know that I've been many times where I felt like some of the decisions I needed to make were very intense, and so, um, but then you know, I meditated on God's word and what it says. You know, you know that God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And I know, I know a lot of people know that scripture, but the proof's in the pudding. You can know scripture all day long, but if you don't act on it, then it might as well be that you don't know it. 
right? So sooner or later, you have to decide, no, I'm not going to be afraid. Or if I am afraid, I'm going to do it anyway, you know? And that, that becomes the choice. Because so it, you're pushed to that moment where you're having to make a decision or react or something, and you are afraid, right? And, and we don't condemn you, right? We all deal with fear. We all yeah. deal with it. I, I want to encourage you that you don't have to live there. You don't have to let that be the, the state that you live in so that you, you can move on past that. It's so easy. You know, Sharon and I like the, the image of kind of like rice paper. And, and that the walls of fear are made of rice paper, wet rice paper. And you can just poke your finger right through it if you just try just mm-hmm. a little, mm-hmm. even just a little, you can poke right through it and, and, and escape that prison of fear with just hardly any effort, but using the word of God as, as, that, as that finger, you know, to poke through it. And, and so I usually go, I don't have to fear. I usually just start with that whole idea, start repeating what God's word says, that I don't have a spirit of fear. And then I just start I just start going, God, you're gonna have to be my strength right now. You're gonna have to help me push past my understanding, to push past my feelings and help me to do this because I am afraid. But I know I need to not be afraid and I know I need to move forward. I have to make decisions. I have to live, but I, I, I wanna be able to do it freely, you know, and without fear. So do you use that as an opportunity to um picture yourself succeeding? Yeah, because I think you have to have vision, right? You have to have vision of, of I can do this, right? I so like let's say you're afraid to go to the grocery store. You have the vision of, uh, I, I like to get the 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 idea that I've just loaded my car with groceries and I'm heading home, right? So that victory, of that I went to the store and I actually achieved my goals, right? And so having a good idea, a good vision for what's on the other side of that mountain, I think is a really good motivator. Yeah, and having that based on God's word, God's promises, what you're doing is you're putting your faith in what God says about you yes. and who he says you are rather than what the devil tries to tell you. Yeah, or what you're going to lose, right? Yeah. So the enemy wants to come along and say, well, if you do that, you're going to lose this, 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 and this. And again, it's all lies. Everything he tells you is a lie. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. So after a while, you, you can kind of flip it. You can just kind of turn it around, you know, uh, do a 180 on it. And, and all the things he told you you were going to lose, you're going to gain. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I mean, this may be really silly, but when I go out in public, especially as we're dealing with the pandemic, and there are people that I know that have been affected by the virus, and so what I, what I picture is as I'm out, that wherever I go, that the virus has to die because God is with me. You know, I picture that as I coming in, it's like I go through a little force field that sterilizes everything in my car because God says He will, He, um that a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you and no plague will come near your dwelling. So that means that it's not allowed into my, into my property area. So I just, I mean, that, that's how I use my imagination to create a godly image of myself, my family and my future. And so I'm actively believing right now that through this pandemic and through this situation that we're going through, that we're going to be better off at the, on the other side. That, and, and I'm specific about that. I, I'm believing that, that our finances are going to be blessed as a result. I'm believing that that our health and our relationships are going to be blessed as a result. I'm going to believe that, you know, I'm just I'm just tired of just taking the the fearful thoughts that the devil throws at me and just and just say feeling hopeless and helpless. So I'm on purpose using my faith and using my 
uh, what my knowledge of God's word to turn those things around and believe that God is going to bless me in the midst of this situation. So Roman, Romans eight twenty eight, yes. which says that He causes all things to work together for good for those who love Him and are called yes. according to His purpose. And you're and it's amazing how much peace and joy and excitement about my future that that brings in my heart because I'm not meditating on all the things that other people are telling me that I need to be afraid of. So a bold and strong statement about what we're all going through right now would be mm-hmm. God is going to take this COVID-19, this coronavirus scenario, this God's going to take this scenario where everyone's, not everyone, but a lot of people have lost their jobs and people have gotten sick and died. He's going to turn it around for the church's good. And for your and For, for your our good. good. So, so you can be believing, God, I just thank you that I'm going to get an even better job. I'm going to make better money, have better hours, have, it's going to be closer to home, you know, whatever, be creative. That's why God gave you creativity was so that you could use it to be, um, to be forward thinking in, in what your life is going to be rather than just taking what happens to you thinking, well, I guess that's just God's will for me. You know, you, you posted on here, um, a really great scripture was second Corinthians four thirteen. It says, but having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I, I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Yeah. I think that was such a really great scripture because sooner or later you have to get out of the boat. You, you've got to just, you've got to, we can't just sit back and go, well, I hope God turns it all around for my good. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, we all do. (laughs) We all hope, right? And, and we hope good things happen and, you know, God, please help us. But sooner or later, we actually have to know who he is. Yes. Know who, what he, what he's done, what, where, where the victory lies. Yes. And, and, and start to verbally agree with it. Right. And, and, and that scripture here is very important because in, in other words, like out of the mouth, the belly speaks, right? And, and, and you know, that, that's just one of those things where sooner or later you actually have to verbalize that thing that where, especially when the world contradicts it all, right? That's what it means to accept Christ. That's what it means to follow Jesus is to deny the world and to take up your cross and to follow him. Well, there's all kinds of really great things that go along with that. It's not just about self-deprivation and, and, and being poor and, and humble and living in a hole in the ground. That's, that's not Christianity. Uh, God, God calls people to do that so that they'll be obedient for other tasks. He, yeah. that, is not, that is not on the brochure of being a, <laughs> of being a Christian. Hey, follow Jesus and become poor and, and lonely, right? That is not the good news. No, that's, the, not, that's not very yeah, good news. <laughs> God does call people to do those things, but you know what? He does that, and he, he, he uses it as an opportunity to build their faith and to teach them lessons and to use them to do great things. So don't, don't shy away from all that. That's not the point. But sooner or later, you do have to say, you know, I choose to believe that what God is going to do in my life trumps anything that the enemy could bring to me or the world can bring to me. Yeah. And, and even in the that flies in the face of it, you know, and so that's really kind of the spirit behind kind of what you were talking about, about believing that when you go out, that the virus has to die. Now, I just want to make sure that, that we're clear on that. We still wash our hands. Oh, yeah, of course. Right? We, we're we're, we still we're we still avoid touching our face and all the all the bullet points that the CDC <laughs> wear and, a mask and the local. Yeah. We, you know, <laughs> I, you're in public. Yeah, yeah, I will. To be honest, most of the time I wear a mask to make others comfortable around yeah, me, less sure. to protect myself. Yeah. And uh, and so. Uh, mainly because I do agree with you. I, I agree with you that God is going to protect us, that yeah. he is going to harbor us from the storm uh, of this virus. And and 
but that doesn't mean that I just go off and 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 put myself in danger. That is not that is not wise. Now I can be obedient to God, and I can and you know I do, and I try to listen for what I should be doing and what I should be avoiding. And the spirit of the Lord is there. Oh yeah, He's there to Absolutely. meet that need. That's that's the good news. And if you, and if you're listening to this and you haven't received Christ, man, I encourage you to do it because it's going to completely change your life. It's gonna it's gonna add meaning. It'll it'll add purpose. And then as you learn God's word and as you receive the power of the Holy Spirit into your life, it, it, it literally it's like living your life your whole life in the dark. And then now suddenly the light is on. You understand. And, and you understand and you see things clearly. You see colors you never saw before. That kind of thing. It really is real. I've been walking with Jesus for 28 plus years. And I'm telling you right now, it is an amazing, the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, yeah. for sure, by, by far. Something I do want to um, remind us all, too, is that the virus was not God's will. No. I mean, if you really want to know what God... There's, there's, two, there's two times when it shows you specifically what God's will is on this earth. One of them, and I'm talking about in the Bible, one of them is in the Garden of Eden. So God created that garden perfect. There was no sickness. There was no death in the garden. No disease. No disease. None of that was was there. That was God's will. And then you go back forward to the beginning of the New Testament. That's the beginning of the Old Testament. The beginning of the New Testament, it says that Jesus went around healing and doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. Yes. So he, it's very clear there where sickness and disease come from, from sin at uh, the fall and to the devil. I, I love that, that section in the Gospels where it talks about that Jesus went home. And it said that he could do no miracles there because of their lack of belief, except to heal a few. <laughs> We would we would consider that a revival. Oh yeah, if 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 somebody you knew somebody who got healed, it'd be a big deal. It'd be front page news. Yeah. But meanwhile, God was disappointed that He wasn't able to do more. Yeah. And the reason that He wasn't able to do more is because they didn't believe. Because where their imaginations were, yeah. their, what their they were mindsets. believing. Yeah. Yes. And that's they're, what they're we're talking one, about. Isn't this Joseph's son? You know, I mean, they they yeah. talked about you know they they just you know they got used to just the whole idea that he wasn't any, anybody special, and then that means they weren't able to receive who he was. Yeah. And. and and anything from him. Meanwhile, he wanted to. Yeah. It's so we can assume based on the word of God telling us that he was not able to do any miracles that God was very much interested in doing miracles. Well, Hebrews says that Jesus was the exact representation of God's glory. Yes. So Jesus was God's will on this earth. And if you look at whatever he did, he never gave anyone sickness. No. And he never turned anyone away that came to him for healing. No. Everybody who came to him for healing yes. got healed. Yes. So that so you can just take those two facts right there and say that's God's will. The only the only example that I can remember, uh, remember that that rich uh, the rich man who came to him and saying, "What must I do to, to have eternal life?" And he mm-hmm. said, "Sell all your possessions and follow mm-hmm. me." Mm-hmm. And then it says that he left sad because he had many things. Mm-hmm. And so the 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 lesson that that the Lord is teaching us with that is that we can let the world get in between us. Yeah. And following Jesus, I believe he was drawn to Jesus. Yeah. I believe he saw something that he really wanted, but then he had to choose. He had to choose between his understanding, his his emotions probably were really in check. And you know, when Jesus said, "Sell all you have," and he was like, "Whoa!" Yeah. He started thinking about all the things he had. He started thinking about all the things that had him, yeah. and 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 he could he couldn't turn away from it. Yeah, he well he could have. He chose not to. Yeah. So and and hopefully maybe at some point later on. In his life, he gave it up. He yeah. said, "Wait, you know what? That's silly. This is just 
start with rocks then in it. it. It also doesn't say that he said anything after that. You know, it, Jesus mm-hmm. told him to sell everything and follow him, and then he, he says he walked away sad because he had many things. So we go back to our point about what we say, you know, that, that speaking. So I want to make a suggestion. A good confession or a thing that you can make in this season, kind of like Sharon was talking about, is that the virus is not going to come near you mm-hmm. or your loved ones, mm-hmm. right? That your job is going, if you've lost your job, you're going to get a better job. And you can yeah. say it out loud. I thank you, God, that you're going to get me a better job. Yeah. Right. Or, or uh, if you're, if you've got some kind of financial difficulties, maybe, uh, maybe you've got some issues that have come up. You know, maybe some debts or that kind of thing. That you can say, God, I thank you that you're going to meet my need through your riches and glory. That my debts are paid in Jesus' yes. name. Now, when you start doing this, when you first start doing this kind of exercise, it feels a little bit silly in some regards, right? You kind of feel like, what like am you're I lying? Yeah. <laughs> Like, what is it? I've got real problems. I can't just be saying whatever. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to download into you a deep spiritual concept. This is actually one of the most important ones you'll ever learn. Because the Bible says that that we are saved by confessing that Jesus is Lord. Yeah. It didn't say that we had to go sell everything we own in order to get it. Mm-hmm. You know? So just saying, I receive you, solves so many problems and sets you on a new path. There's no difference in that and just and saying that, God, I thank you that you care about me and you don't want me to be sick. You don't want me to be poor. You want me to, the, the Bible says that, that we are to work hard so that we will have extra to share. You can't be a blessing to anybody if you don't have anything. That's true. And, you know, so we're, I mean, we're not, we're not, we're not trying to say, hey, you know, God wants you to be a millionaire. We're not saying that at all. But God doesn't not want you to be a millionaire. You know, he, he wants, he wants you to be useful to him, and and he wants you to have a good life. Uh, otherwise, why did he come and die on a cross? So I want to make sure I'm clear about that. He wants you to be able to be useful. Now, some people can't or, or, or have a real problem with money because they don't understand what it's for. They they look at it as a source of security when God is really your security. Yeah. Or, or they look at it as a way to, to spend money on things they don't need uh, or, or that are beneficial to them, you know, and that's what God was talking about. In that regard, so I just don't want to chase that rabbit. I don't want to leave that out there for anyone. No, I agree, and I think that 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 shines a lot directly on uh, what the was going on with the rich young ruler. Yeah, Jesus actually could just discern his heart, and knew that that was a god in his life, and he said, "You're going to have to give up your idolatry before you can be my servant. Yeah. Before you can, before I, you can really receive what I want for you." Yeah, and that and that didn't mean that God wanted him to be poor. That just meant that he can't be rich in Christ. If he's so fulf- so filled with riches and on earth, yeah, and well, and, and they were going to get in the way. God knew that they would get in the way for him. Yeah. That wasn't God's order for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so kind of related to that, you know, the, the next thing. So we said we got to start. We got to we got to think about uh, say what you want to see happen, right? And and then the second thing would be to focus your prayer life, which is actually really really close to the same thing, mm-hmm. but it, it, focusing on on what are you praying. You know, when you go and you spend time praying, even if it's only 15 seconds, you know, what are you focusing on? What kind mm-hmm. of prayers should you be lifting up? And and going right along with that, it's, I mean, there's a couple of habits that I've developed that have really helped me um, in my prayer life, being able to align my, my thoughts and my prayers with God's will. One of them is to pray for myself in third person. And that may sound really weird, but there was a season in my life where I didn't love myself 
very much. And I didn't think God loved me very much, but I could pray for other people because I just, I felt I could sense God's love for them and could sense that they were, um, I guess it was just that God loved them and God had a good plan for them. So I would kind of step out of my mind a little bit and start praying for myself in third person. And I would start explaining to God where Sharon where she was, what she's dealing with and how, and, and the Holy spirit would help me to pray for myself in third person. (laughs) That's pretty pretty cool. I mean, it it worked. So there's a practical thing. So if you're having a hard time, maybe you, and another thing is, is to do this other habit, which would be to go find out what God, what does God's word say about these things about God's will? So how would somebody do that? Cause you know, the Bible's pretty thick. It is. And, and the letters are teeny. Yeah, right? and, there's a lot in there. And there's there's not very many pictures. Yes. <laughs> so how would someone go and find what God's Word says about certain things? Well, I think you, you have a great website that you go to all the time, um, and it says, what does God's Word say about... Yeah, if you just go to Google and type in, what, is God's, what does the Bible say about, and then... My like, job, yeah. or uh, my health, yeah. or um, my needs... And it'll list out like 10, 20, 30 scriptures. Yeah, the name of the, the, the name of the website is openbible.info. Yeah, so so start there. And that's a perfect way to start. And what you do is you look at God's word as his written down will for your life. That is what his will is for you. So you have every right as a child of God to receive everything that he's given to you through Christ. So don't let the devil give you these imaginations of what he wants to bring in your life and just receive it blindly and just say, okay, I guess that's just what I'm going to end up having. No, it isn't. You have to resist the devil. He will come at you, but you have to resist that. And, um, and going through the, through this open Bible.info, uh, it's a great start because you just start finding out what the scriptures well, are. Well, it gets you in the word and then you, it's a good idea to, you know, when you go, cause it lists out individual scriptures or maybe, you know, sections of scripture, but go, Get your Bible and read it in context, and then start reading around it. Right. Yeah. Like, so if it's if it points you to chapter three, verse two, you know, read one and read one and three as well. Right. Get always be going and reading things in context. Yeah, because, that way you get a full understanding. Yeah, that you're not cherry picking, and then also you're learning. You're you're absorbing, and I'm telling you, as you read God's Word, it changes you. Yeah. It really does change you, and it'll suck you right out of fear. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. You have to submit to that because mm-hmm. as you're reading, the Holy Spirit will come mm-hmm. and he'll explain it to you. And that's what the Bible talks about. If you're interested in this, um, it talks about the lampstand that was on the showbread. The showbread is the word of God. And the lampstand is the revelation of the Holy Spirit that uh, illumines what does the word mean. And, and the Holy Spirit comes to us to show us those things because he wants us to know what's freely given to us by God. You know, and uh, there's another scripture about that, and, and, I, and I can't think of it off the top of my head. But um, it talks about that that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which we which we also speak. It talks about that one. So so start meditating on on those scriptures and personalize them for your life. You know that my God has good plans for I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, to give me a future and the hope. Imagine what that would look like. You know, and that was another another habit that I've developed is when I had a hard time and I couldn't believe that God loved me because of my circumstances or because of my relationships and, and how how defeated I felt and how rejected I felt. I felt like that was probably how what God thought about me too. But I said, you know what? 
I'm going to pretend. And I was using these imaginations in the right way by saying, I'm going to pretend that God loves me. I'm just going to pretend God really does it's, it's love me. It's not even really pretend. It's it's changing. To be- it's changing. I'm changing to believe. Yeah, I'm choosing to believe choosing that to instead believe. of what I felt. Yes. But at the time, I was calling it pretending. Well, Because <laughs> well, I didn't understand. It's not like you can go to the store and buy a bottle of God's love for you. Right? Yeah, I know. You have to receive it by Wouldn't faith. Wouldn't that be great? You have to, yeah. it was just like you received Jesus by faith. You have to receive God's love by yeah. faith. Yeah. You can't just manufacture it or wait till it shows up, you know, from Amazon. Yeah. yeah. And so, but, 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 but starting with that foundation and going, okay, I'm going to choose to believe that God loves me. What would my life look like today? And then I just started imagining good things happening to me. And I, and it brought me hope. And it brought me joy and it brought me peace. And I can honestly say that what God has done for my life completely overwhelms the things that I could even think of at the time. He, he really has done abundantly beyond all that I could ask or think. So instead of being fearful and, and just to keep, just go back so we make sure that we, we cover things. I like, we like to cover things again in the end just to kind of drive it home because it, it's really easy just to listen to a podcast and then blow right through what, what they're talking about is use your imagination to create godly images of yourself, your family, your future. You know, think of good, hopeful things that, yes. that we're going to be healthy, that we're going to be happy, that our needs are going to be met, that that the Lord's going to use us, you know, and yes. those kinds of things. Yes. The second thing would be to start saying what you want to see happen, right? So agree with those image, the imagery. You know, the Holy Spirit could come along and, and plant a vision in your head. Yes. Start saying, hey, God, I think that you are going to keep us happy and whole and healthy. And we'll, help our relationships. God, I think you're going to help, you're going to help us find toilet paper, right? You know what I mean? You it, know what? You absolutely. laugh about it, but it is absolutely true. <laughs> God knows he will, what yeah. our needs, and he wants to meet them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the, the third thing, with you focus your prayer life, in other words, go and go, go spend a few minutes talking to God and listen, and 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 you know, and and be thankful to Him uh, for for what He wants to do, right? And because uh, uh, you know, Jesus said in, in Mark eleven twenty four, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. I mean that is Jesus's words. They are in red. Go look them up. It's a promise. Yeah, Mark eleven twenty four. Yeah, if you want, print that out on an eight and a half by eleven piece of paper and stick it wherever you're going to be praying. It'll encourage you to ask. There's no sin in asking from God. He has told you time and time again. I could give you fifteen scriptures that says that God's interested in you asking. Because understand, here's why. Here's why you have to ask. God can't override your will. So true. He can only bring you the opportunity to trust him and believe him. He has to, he has to have your cooperation. You have to engage him. Then when you do, he can act. Mm-hmm. He needs your permission. So, um and then the last thing that we want to talk about is getting in agreement with others who are strong in faith. This mm-hmm. is so important. Mm-hmm. When I know when when this virus thing hit, I reached out to two or three people that I I respected and 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 got on the phone with them and and took just like 15 minutes and 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 got in prayer with them about agreeing uh, over what God was going to do and protection and 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 uh wisdom for them and cuz uh, they were uh some of them were pastors and uh, so they they're in charge of a lot of people and how they were going to function and so you know I wanted to uh, hook up with them not only for for to help them and, and encourage them but you know for them to encourage me 
And and it, it really meant a lot at the very beginning because it was kind of chaotic in the very beginning. And so sure, a lot that, of unknowns. So you know, Matthew eighteen nineteen, Jesus talks again. He goes again. I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. You see a pattern there? It's talking about getting together with other believers and asking, right? Praying for each other and believing that God's going to do supernaturally above and beyond kind of things, things outside the natural, things that that trump the natural. And when I say the natural, I'm talking about the things of this world, the viruses of this world, and yeah. it is under the feet of of, of the of the church, uh, under your feet. Yeah, you can you can you can you can speak and look right at it as though it was a stray dog and shoo it away. Yeah, you have authority. In yes. Jesus. Again, you still have to wash your hands. But <laughs> don't be foolish. <laughs> but you need to don't sti- go licking. No, no, <laughs> don't go licking handrails or ice cream. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> So, but the point being is you, but you need to rise up in that authority. Yeah. And if you think about it, the four things that we're asking you to do all stem from that knowledge of what your authority is in Christ. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and, and it also comes from an agreement with God that God wants good things for you. You know, you have to, and that's part of changing your imaginations, taking control over that unruly mind of yours and renewing it according to the word of God so that you can receive and, and have all that he wants for you. That what, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Yeah. That's the will of God for you. Yes. Well, we hope you guys have really enjoyed listening to this podcast, to this episode. I, I really enjoyed uh, talking about it and I'm, I'm encouraged and, and I know and believe that God is going to use uh, his word to change people's lives. So we just do encourage you to get in the Bible, read, pray, uh, getting, uh, get in agreement with those around you yes. and really, really let God give you that image in your mind of, of you being prosperous and your family being prosperous. And I know that it's going to happen. And you know, we would love to hear from you and, and hear how God is, do, uh, God, how God is really working in your life. And, uh, we also asked if you could make sure, make sure to share this, this podcast with your friends, with those who really could use some encouragement and uh, if you could, you know, give it a thumbs up or, or rate it or, or like it or all those things that, depending on where you found it, we really appreciate if you would do that. And um, and I'd love to hear some scriptures that yeah. you use in your life for the same thing. What what are you believing yeah, for? Yeah, there's so many great ones. We want to agree with you. Yeah, so if you would comment down below, you, you talk about, hey, this scripture here really is, is ministering to me right now. That would that would make our hearts so happy, and uh, and it would make sure everyone who's reading and going through this it would encourage them as well. So let's let's fill the comments with the light of God's word and yes, and the we're promises. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so uh, I'm Greg, and uh, and this is Sharon, and uh, we know that you can have God's best for your life, and we're just here to help. <laughs>